I realized that we're all operating as a low-grade version of ourselves. And in the world that we live in, which is always go, 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 and you know, you're always connected on five different platforms at the same time. You're on WhatsApp, you're on Teams, you're everything. And I just feel like you don't have enough deep thinking or even just normal thinking in your day. You're just running from one thing to another. This week, we are brought to you by Attest. Attest is a consumer research platform that enables brands to make customer understanding a competitive advantage with continuous insights. By combining unparalleled speed and data quality with on-demand research guidance, the platform makes it simple and fast to uncover opportunities with consumer data and grow without guesswork. Hello and welcome to the shiny new object podcast. My name is Tom Ollerton. I'm the founder of Automated Creative and this is a weekly show where I get to interview people from exciting brands talking about exciting things, particularly the future of the industry. And this week is no different. I'm on a call with Alina Mansour, who is brand director at P&G. So Alina, for anyone who doesn't know you, can you give us a bit of a background on who you are and what you do? Hi, everyone. Uh, thank you so much, Tom, for having me here. It's uh, I've, I've been really excited about it. Um, so my journey started in Procter & Gamble six years ago. This was my first job, fresh out of university. And I have been working on the brand SK2, which is a luxury skincare brand, um, the global office is in, is here in Singapore. And what we do is basically my job revolves around creating content for um, SK2, essentially designing campaigns that are blasted globally and also doing all the end-to-end analysis for it as well. So what I'd like to know is in that six-year career, what kind of new belief or behavior has really helped with your work? So the way that... Um, SK2 works is very different from other brands in Procter & Gamble, at least from what I hear. Um, We actually have very much a startup-like culture. Uh, We try to break all of the rules of, of, you know, bureaucracy um, that PNG usually has and try to work in a bit of a different manner, which is a lot more faster, a lot more innovative. But what I've learned in the last few years is that I've had a more nuanced take on hustle culture. While I deeply respect the idea of trying new things and breaking boundaries, the fact of the matter is that when unchecked, it really ends up draining people. So I feel like you can only rely on overly energetic young people who are ready to give up everything for their job, job till so far. And I feel like it happens at the cost of good ideas, smart presentations and innovation. And I have seen both sides in, in, this, in the six years that I've been here, what the benefit of hustle culture is and also how it can go awry. So fun fact at the side is that I am really obsessed with the brain. I I actually study a lot about it. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I read a lot of, I read a lot of um, literature on it. And uh, one belief that really, or knowledge um, I really, uh, that really changed me was that when you're disrupted or interrupted, it takes 23 minutes to get to the same level of focus. 
because you're constantly switching. So imagine like we're talking right now and a text message pops up. So I'm going to take time to disconnect from this conversation, look at the text message, disconnect from that text message and come back to you. That already takes up a lot more of my bandwidth than you think. And what it essentially ends up doing is that it, you know, you just make a lot more mistakes. You actually remember less and you're of course less creative. So that really was a bit of a shocker for me because I realized that we're all operating as a low grade version of ourselves. And in the world that we live in, which is always go, go, go. And you know, you're always connected on five different platforms at the same time. You're on WhatsApp, you're on Teams, you're everything. And I just feel like you don't have enough deep thinking or even just normal thinking in your day. You're just running from one thing to another. And I feel like what really created a higher quality work experience for me was that when I actively started carving out time in my schedule to do some deep thinking. Now, I feel like this is something that people tell us all the time. It's almost like lip service, but how do you actually do it? And obviously since re till recently, I was fairly junior in the company. What I started doing was really, I had conversations with my managers on really what are the hours of the day that I don't want to be disturbed at all. Like they, you can carve out like a few hours in the morning, a few hours in the evening. These are completely no touch times. I feel like we're always, you know, rushing to impress our managers and always being available to them. But taking this time out will make us more valuable to them. Also, I feel like while there needs to be, of course, a systemic change in the office, but if you can take these small efforts to have these hours crafted in the day, it can help you already before you can even affect that full on systemic change. And I feel like separately, you need, you absolutely must take a holiday every three months because, um, the world isn't going to die um, if you take that time off. And I feel like it really does help you run for longer because people just don't take that holiday unless they're like, okay, you know what? I want to take that two week off rather than just take that one day off and make it a long weekend. I feel like it is quite important. And sometimes I feel that working late into the night doesn't work also. I'd rather wake up earlier to work even though I am a night person, I must say that, like I am a night person, but you are so tired at the night and your, your brain is just so full of, you know, just jumping from one thing to another. Sometimes just shutting off at a proper time and waking up earlier makes you do the work a lot faster. So, I mean, these are all these small tricks that I have picked up on how I can have deeper thinking in my day, but you know, everyone has their own way. I feel like just crafting that deep thinking time is I feel a belief that has really changed my life. I don't think many people, me included, are going to argue with you, but how do you do it? How do you implement that? So, I mean, like I said, um, I think first it really starts with a conversation with your manager on how and where you would like to take this time off, right? So for me, I really just went up to my manager who would like to, for example, just steams me whenever, it was like a stream of consciousness. Every time she had a thought, she would just message me and it would just like, on load on my brain and just, you know, weigh me down. So after a point, I just told her that I will be making my teams like do not disturb between these hours of the morning, whatever you need to talk to me, you can just send it over email. And I will only look at my email at a certain time. So that was one way that I did it. The other ways is really... Um, can you, do you mind me asking you, when is that? I'm, I'm just trying to get the, the specifics here. Do you like 10 or 12 or like half nine till till two in the afternoon? It depends. I think some different days are different. I'm not a very big routine person. So um, for me, it would be whenever is like, usually it would be the first thing in the morning. 
So for example, from nine to 11, I would take that time off. It's also a low activity time for most people. A lot of people are, you know, sort of settling into their day anyway, or it would be in the evening, for example, at 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. when people, when people are sort of winding down. So that would be my time, but I would take that two hours every day. And what are the main benefits you've seen from this? I feel like a lot of, especially junior people in high stress environments, we are being fueled by if you don't do this, you will die. Or if you don't do this, you will, your, your, your career is on the line or your image is on the line, right? And you don't genuinely think about what you're doing. You're just kind of trying to deliver something, just something on a, on a slide or you know, a, a presentation so that you can show a person that I did the work checkbox, right? Um, and, and in that time, because you are just so fueled by fear to meet that deadline, you are essentially not putting in a lot of thinking into that work. You're just doing whatever you think, like, you know, you've heard from other people, you're just trying to string together a narrative that you've heard from five different people and you're just putting it on. That's the fastest thing to do anyway. But I feel like when I took that time, I would fundamentally question why we're doing that piece of work in the first place. If there are any fresh ideas that I can bring from outside that we can take inspiration from. It would give me time to research. It would give me time to see what else is out there. It would also give me fundamental questions to ask my manager to get her to think, to be like, do we even need to do this? Or is this way or is the speed of doing things the right way? So I feel like these kind of questions you can only think about when you take a step back. So you've got some great advice there and thanks for helping me understand the practical benefit of that. So Let's move into marketing itself. What is your top marketing tip? What's your favorite bit of advice that you've been given and that you give most often? I think the best marketing tip that I've ever received is stop drinking your own Kool-Aid, which basically means that a lot of marketers or brands approach marketing communication as what I want to tell people. Now I'm launching a new product. I want to tell people about it. Now I have a new celebrity that I signed. I want to tell people about it. Instead of doing that, our fundamental way of looking at the problem should be, what problem or concern am I solving for a consumer? And present it to the audience with with storytelling or in a medium that people already consume. So for example, people go to Instagram to scroll about fashion, lifestyle, art, right? You need to think about how do you fit into their culture rather than creating your own random messaging and trying to present that. So basically you need to figure out how do you seamlessly fit into people's lives. So you need to borrow from culture or borrow from things that would genuinely interest your consumers. And also think about how do you fit in as a solution to that concern or that problem, right? Um, Rather than just blasting your communication everywhere. So I feel like that was a game changer for me because it really made me think deeper about what do consumers really want. And can you give me an example of when you've applied the practice of not drinking your own Kool-Aid? That's a good one. Let me think. Um, While you think about that, I'm I'm going to make a, a point because I, I feel I've put you on the spot there. So there's part of me that massively agrees with you. I, in my career, I've always held that belief that you, you need to be part of culture in the right way and interrupting and spamming people isn't appreciated. But then there's a fair amount of 
marketing science that I, I can't quote because I don't know who said it, that would suggest that just repetition of messaging over and over again will create those memory structures and top of mindness at the point of purchase. So, you know, I drove past a Pepsi ad the other day and it was just a massive bottle of Pepsi with a young person next to it with headphones on singing or something. No, I don't even think there was any copy on it, right? It's the most interrupted thing, boring, straightforward, but you know, the tens of thousands of people that have driven past that ad will think about Pepsi potentially more than Coke at point of purchase. But it's entirely Kool-Aid. Well, that's obviously a strange drink to compare it with. But there's so what what do you feel about the, the fact that there's that the balance of just ramming home that message as often as possible versus what you're talking about, which is a much more subtle, empathetic approach to marketing? I think even if okay, I think there are two like I'm thinking like on my feet here, so Pardon me if it's a little incoherent. So I feel like the first thing is that that kind of marketing where, you know, you can just grab people's attention in like big ways, like, you know, for example, a billboard ad or, you know, like always like spamming that same message everywhere. That is also a benefit of very, very rich brands. A lot of people don't have that kind of money. They have a limited slot, a limited period to really hit home. And then that's it. Right. And of course, yes, you'll do it as many times as possible, but you can get a bigger bang for your buck if you are able to give a better message, a more memorable message, a more authentic message in that time period, which could be limited. And now with the democratization of marketing where, you know, places like Google, Facebook, you know, you have to have you have to be relevant to those audiences, for example. Right. They're already making it harder for you to do what that example that you just said, because that is, that is in a world where you can just buy a lot of physical spaces. You can, you can just throw money and you can get that space to again, shout your message. Right. But now I feel like in this, in this world that we're living in, it's a lot harder to do that. So that's why I feel like having not drinking your own Kool-Aid or spamming would be a better way to do it, to do it. And secondly, if I look at Pepsi or Coke, who have been the old old school, you know, winners in the marketing world, even their message comes from a place of relevancy. They have spent a lot of time really making themselves part of culture, like, you know, Coke with its happiness um, slogan, right? Um, where literally every time you think of Coke, you think of happiness. They have done a lot of, they made a lot of effort into creating that emotion and also capitalizing on that emotion because genuinely we always have Coke when we're trying to celebrate something or when we're trying to enjoy a party or when we're hanging out with our friends. They took that actual insight and they put it into their campaigns, right? So it is based off something that is real. And in the end, yes, you can just show two words or show like a cool visual of a person wearing headphones and, you know, enjoying Coke and or, or Pepsi. And, you know, you'll immediately feel that, right? But it does, I feel like, a lot of empathetic, in-depth work has been done prior to that for you to have that immediate impact. You can't do that if you're a new brand who hasn't done that legwork before. Well, you apologize before the answer for being inarticulate, but I think you've argued the point incredibly well. This episode of the Shiny New Object podcast is brought to you in partnership with Manfest 
Whether it's live in London or streamed online to the global marketing community, you can always expect a distinctive and daring blend of fast-paced content, startup innovation pitches, and unconventional entertainment from Madfest events. You'll find me causing trouble on stage, recording live versions of this podcast, and sharing a beer with the nicest and most influential people in marketing. Check it out at www.madfestlondon.com. We are going to move on now to your shiny new object, which is authentic storytelling. Doesn't sound like a shiny new object to me. That doesn't matter. Can you explain what authentic storytelling is to you and why you've chosen that as your shiny new object? You know, I I really, I do agree. It really doesn't sound like the new thing, but I feel like it has gotten lost because um, I feel like these days, there are just so many things, right? That the new thing, the new ways in which you can be a marketeer, you know, there's mixed reality, like what you mentioned in, in your in your brief to me, like prior, like there's mixed reality, there is um, dark social, blockchain, there's so many different ways of being a marketer. Now with the metaverse, the world has become even more complicated, right? And you can do so much more. So what I feel like is that platforms can keep changing. Recently, there was this other concept that I heard of was that hyper speed content, create so much content and create it in a fraction of your time, just keep throwing at it. And I feel like it does work. It's not like all of these things will not work, but I feel like the thing that should be holding it together is really proper storytelling. And what that is to me is finding consumer insights that either no one is really looking at or looking at a present consumer insight that everyone's looking at, but understanding it in a deeper way. So I'll give you an example of something that I've actually done at at work or an experience that I had was that every year we launch a limited edition bottle, right? It's basically, um, you know, we have a product called Facial Treatment Essence. We wrap it into limited edition packaging every Christmas and we sell it. During Christmas, everyone is talking about gifting and, you know, showing you Christmas cues and winter and ribbons. Everything is the same. And it's just a competition of who has a prettier bottle. And we have a pretty good looking bottle as well. People are in the mindset of buying and gifting, right? So that's the insight that everyone's focused on and everyone is capitalizing on. But when I was given a choice of Uh, working on this project, I I thought of what is a consumer insight that no one is really thinking of. Um, And at that point, we saw that women who are our target market, women 25 to 35, they're our target, right? At the end of the year, they're often in a reflective mood. They are pensive. They're taking stock of their year. They're like, you know, did we... Do we have a boyfriend that we're sp- spending Christmas with? You know, gosh, I did I really get that promotion? Did I not get that promotion? You know, they're, they're thinking about their year taking stock, like most of us are. So it can be actually a time that is a little bit sad or a little bit quieter for a lot of people. So in that time, I thought that why not our bottle be a statement of empowerment for women rather than just a pretty bottle that you can buy and put on your shelf? Our bottle had three empowering statements written on them, like destiny is a matter of choice, because our brand has this whole campaign of change destiny and making women, you know, take control of their lives. So destiny is a matter of choice or changes in all of us or be the person you decide to be. There were these like, you know, they're empowering statements. So I thought, why not just cut away with all of the Christmas cues and the gifting cues 
and position each bottle with a celebrity who actually embodies that statement. So for example, one of the girls uh, celebrities that we chose for be the person you decide to be was this woman who is uh, a superstar singer's daughter. She is also a singer, but she is trying to become a superstar without her mother's influence. She's also Chinese, but she is uh, fully out as a gay woman which is a very difficult thing to do in China. She's a woman in China, but she also dresses androgynously, which is also a thing that SK2 has never really, you know, like none of the girls that we have are like that. And also it's a big thing to do in China, right? So I feel like we, so we chose that girl. So I, I mean, I, I, positioned, I, I petitioned my organization, like let's get that girl to become the face of our brand uh, for that bottle. And we chose other girls for the other bottles as well. And eventually that became one of our most successful campaigns because women resonated so strongly with that because they were like, hey, you know, I feel stronger. I feel like I want to get this bottle because it speaks to me. And it is something that, you know, that I would be proud to put on my vanity as opposed to any other pretty bottle. Right. So it's just a way of, you know, connecting with people in a different way. And in a deeper way, um, and I feel like everything that we've seen, some of the most iconic campaigns, like Ariel's Share the Load, or even Blendtex, Will It Blend? Or even if you go really far back, like De Beers, Diamond is Forever, everyone is going after an insight that is at the time new or deeper. And I feel like we forget that a lot because we have all this opportunity to spam people with so much content or use all of this amazing technology um, to create something very different. But at the same time, if you forget this, it doesn't matter what platform you're on, you're just going to be like every other brand. So I feel like this is really the differentiator for me. So where you've lost me a little bit is you started talking about authentic storytelling, but actually a lot of what you're talking about is insight, uh, whether that's a old insight looked at in a new or deeper way or, or a new insight. And it's fascinating to hear that story of the Chinese influencer. And I, I will go and check out that work afterwards. I'm so glad it works because very smart. But uh, what I'm confused about is, is that storytelling? Whenever I'm at a conference and someone's on stage at an agency and start talking about storytelling, my eyes just roll over. I'm like, re Honestly, are we still saying storytelling? Because storytelling, in my view, classic storytelling, famous narratives. You know, if you're talking about your favorite books or your favorite films or your favorite stories from your family, you know, you're not going to go, oh yeah, but then there's, you know, that story from Blendtec or, you know, Purcell or whatever. It's it's not a story. It's advertising. I mean, you can put storytelling elements into it, start a, a, a middle and an end, but I think the industry is kidding itself if it's actually storytelling like you know, hey guys come come sit around me i'm going to tell you about this personal ad you know, it, it's not storytelling that so one thing i'm unsure about is are you just talking about insights or or am i missing the point about storytelling happy to be wrong i mean yeah i'm actually thinking myself if that's the right term because you know sometimes we all just get used to some jargon that we use in the office so we start using the same words without thinking too deeply about them but i would still argue that it is storytelling. No, it may not be. It may not be like you know watching a Khan award-winning film or you know watching a, like hearing a story from your you know grandfather's years back in the war, but you are still telling people you're communicating something to people, and we always communicate in stories. That story can be a minute long 
or it can be something that you just see on print and you just create that narrative in your mind or whatever it is, it is an aid to at least, at least it's an aid to telling yourself a story or telling the consumer a story, because I feel like that's the only way that humans communicate. Um, so for example, if I am showing you a girl, you know, who's picking up a bottle, you know, with an empowering statement on it and she is just posing with it, that in itself is a statement that she's making, a story that she's saying, because she's telling you that, hey, I look like this, this brand signed me, I believe in this product and I use it and I feel empowered by it. So how is that not a story? I may not be telling it to you in like, you know, beginning, middle and end, not in that way, because that's not really what advertising is, but I am giving you some, an aid for you to create a story or a narrative in your mind. So, yeah. And, and I would say that any kind of story in the world is based on some deep human emotion or some deep human insight that is why, you know, Hansel and Gretel is still a story that we still tell today because it is so much about, you know, um, feeling loss or fear or, you know, like, I don't know, hatred, you know, whatever. There's just so many emotions in that story, right? It is touching on something that's very real for people. Um, and that is why I feel like great advertising is also about touching on the right emotions that are relevant to people and that makes them feel something. And that is the only way that you'll be memorable. So I don't know if that was a very long winded way of, <laughs> of proving my point, but you know, it's, I, I don't know, like I, I hear what you're saying and I, maybe I'll, I'll think a bit more about it, but I still think that it's storytelling. Well, I think you make an excellent point. And unfortunately, we are at the end of the episode. So what I would like you to do is to tell the audience, if they want to get in touch with you, where's the best place to do that? But crucially, how is the best way to do that? What what makes a really good outreach message to you that you'll reply to? Um, I actually reply to most things. Uh, most people who reach out on LinkedIn. Um, so you could just reach out to me there. You could tell me that you heard me on Shiny New Object and I'll immediately... You know, like I'll, I'll, I'll reply and, you know, I'll, I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to hear uh, people's thoughts on what they think about what, what was said in this um, podcast. And yeah, and if they have any new ideas to share. Um, and if, of course, you need any help, you know, any advice, any mentorship, I'm always here. So, yeah, LinkedIn would be the best place. My link, my, my, well, my LinkedIn name is my name, Alina Mansoor. Um, so, yeah, you can find me there. Fantastic. Lena, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Tom. And thank you for the great questions. Hi. Just before you go, I'd really appreciate it if you could take the time to write a review of the Shiny New Object Podcast on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whatever it's called these days, or whichever podcast provider you use. We're an indie podcast, so it would go a long way for us if you could just share the word and give us a bit of a support on those channels. That would just be fantastic. If you haven't got time, that's also cool. And yeah, if you could tell your colleagues about the podcast and also, if possible, don't forget to subscribe. And I'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, uh, if you'd like to speak on the podcast or be a guest or you think I'm asking the wrong questions, anything, I'd be super interested to hear what you think. So please email me at tom at automatedcreative.net. That's T-O-M at, uh, I'm not going to bother spelling it. Anyway, you'll work it out. Thanks so much.